0: Welcome to the 81st installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. For the first two decades or so of his career as a dairy scientist, Dennis Johnson followed a trajectory that was controlled by one overarching belief. The more milk a farm produces, the greater the profit. But somewhere along the line, Johnson started questioning that assumption and began listening to a pioneering group of farmers who were taking cows out of high-input confinement systems and putting them outside on rotational pastures. These farmers were finding that a system called managed rotational grazing could not only produce more profit, but was better for the environment and increased their family's quality of life. As one Western Minnesota farmer told me recently, for a lot of us in the early 1990s who were facing the transition of planting corn and soybeans to planting perennial pastures, we were like jumping off the cliff. And we didn't feel very supported by the university system. But Dennis was so discreet. He offered information only when he was asked for, and he was an extraordinarily good listener. We weren't used to that from the quote-unquote university experts, who usually came bearing the gifts of knowledge handed down from on high. It was unusual and welcome. Johnson recently retired after a 42-year career at the University of Minnesota, and he leaves an impressive legacy. Working with farmers, he's helped develop a diverse pasture seed mix that's become the standard for grazers in his region, while making managed rotational grazing an accepted livestock production system in the upper Midwest. He's also spearheaded the establishment of an organic dairy herd at the University of Minnesota's West Central Research and Outreach Center in Morris. This is one of only three university organic research dairy herds in the nation, and the only one that's at the same facility as a conventional herd. Perhaps most importantly, Johnson has provided renewed hope among family farmers that there are people within the land-grant system who can help them seek out and adopt alternatives that are sustainable economically and environmentally. I recently visited Johnson at the West Central Research and Outreach Center to talk about why establishing an organic herd at the station was a logical next step in his research on grazing, and what research questions remain out there. We also talked about how farmers themselves can be the source of new innovations in agriculture.
1: Organic was a very logical uh, next step. For one thing, if uh, you have a intensive rotational grazing system where the diet of the cows is, is very forage-oriented, you're also a long ways down the line toward becoming an organic farm. In fact, I think some organic dairy farms really had to make almost no changes in order to to become organic so it's that it's logical for that reason another thing is if the your yield is lower and it almost certainly will be with a a very high forage system is that you can help maintain income by increasing the value of the milk and organic milk uh, fetches a higher price than does conventional milk
0: What's really uh, unique about this, or not unique, but it, this is one of the one of only three organic dairy herds at a university experiment station in the country. But this one, what is unique about this one is it's it's one of the only ones that has uh, a conventional herd side by side, where you're able to make some comparisons that way. And I think you talked earlier about the, maybe the importance of comparing systems rather than just on a per cow basis.
1: That's right. Uh, the Conventional and organic are uh, very difficult, different types of systems. If you look at only milk production alone, for example, you might say that conventional is the only way to go because organic systems being based on forage uh, yield less per cow. However, if you look only at health, you're almost certainly going to see uh, better health in the organic herds not just because of organic feeds and management, but also because of that lower level of production, which is uh, less stressful for the cows.
0: What are some of the big research questions that you hope that that, that need to be addressed? I, I guess you've, you said one of the big things that you felt like you were able to research uh, in the last couple of decades was showing how you can make pasture's productive in Minnesota using the rotational system. What, what are some of the other big question marks out there or some of the big question, uh, research questions that need to be addressed uh, either with this dairy herd or just with grazing systems in general?
1: Well, I, I believe that uh, grazing systems are going to become more and more important as uh, more and more of the really good land is, is, is used for grain crops that we're going to do more and more forage whether we're conventional or organic grazing systems. Uh, there are some big questions that need need to be addressed. We do need to have still more productive and higher quality forage systems. Uh, yield is still important and one of the big drivers of that is being able to have good high quality pasture uh, throughout the season. Another area is we need to have cows, dairy cows, that are very well adapted to higher forage systems as they come along in the future. Uh, the emphasis in breeding programs has been in confinement now for many years, where a lot of grain has been fed. There have been a lot of uh, intake inputs have been provided. So we need to find cows that are going to be uh, more productive than they have been under organic systems. Uh, but on on high forage. So we need more and better forage, and we need well-adapted cows to the organic system. We need to address those questions. Those are important questions for the future of uh, organic dairying.
0: Just one f- final question. I think what's been interesting as you explain how this process has taken place here of looking at the, some of these alternative systems, kind of the The big driver of this is maybe turning a little bit of the uh, university research methodology on its head in that instead of saying, okay, we're going to do this research on an experiment station and then uh, produce the the results and then have farmers adapt that to some of these systems, a lot of this, of your thinking, your changes in thinking on dairy systems and grazing systems and, and all, a lot of that was influenced by more of a some of these um, some of the innovations coming from the direction of the farmers and you talking to farmers and finding out what they were doing. I mean, I mean, one of the things you talked about is when you first started looking into this, you had a hard time finding basic information on grazing systems uh, through the land grant system or through you know regular publications, and so you had to go out and find farmers who were actually doing it, and so it was kind of more of a uh, two-way conversation rather than a, maybe the conventional one-way of the, the university expert handing out the information.
1: When it it became clear that there needed to be more land-grant work done in the area of, of low-input dairying, forage-based uh, dairying, uh, it was clear that there hadn't been a lot of research done since about the 50s because the emphasis had been on utilizing more cereal grains and more stor- stored forages for, uh, for many years. So I, I went to meetings of farmers and, and visited farmers who had begun to adapt uh, some of the modern grazing systems, the ones that used intensive rotations, the ones that used uh, fencing systems that were very flexible and found out what they were doing, and they really helped jumpstart things in in the right direction for this program.
0: For more on research into sustainable agriculture systems being done at the West Central Research and Outreach Center, see the summer 2010 issue of the Land Stewardship Letter at www.landstewardshipproject.org. If you have comments or questions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org, or you can call me at 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, a Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening.